We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm going to answer. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I mean, getting all those guys to come back on both sides of the ball was huge for Washington. I'm going to enter a draft question or answer a draft. I'm going to answer a draft question, right? Do it. Mention Love that. it. From We Are Not Marshall, why did Phil Jacoba go back to school and not go test out high at the combine to get drafted this year? He potentially doesn't get drafted next year. There's a far greater chance he doesn't get drafted this year than next year. Yeah. I mean, far greater because he he hasn't played in two years. I mean, he, he's been banged up each of the last two years. He this season did not go well. I don't think John McNulty knew how to use him at all. He played behind without question the worst offensive line in in the Power Five level this past season. He had no draft value right now whatsoever because of the last. Because and then the year before he he played four games, four or five games because he was hurt. So there there was no reason for him not to come back. To be honest with you, because if he comes out this year, he's going to go undrafted, right? I mean. There's as much maybe, of a chance of maybe him to get late day three. Tar- but that's like also Darth true next Bro. year, yeah. right? I mean, so to me, there was there was no reason for him to go to the draft, and just unless he just was like, I'm done playing college football. But with Signetti going to Pitt, and honestly, if Signetti doesn't isn't at Pitt, I I think there's a chance Phil may have just gone and said, screw it, I'm just going to go to the NFL and take my chance. Yeah. But with, with Signetti at Pitt, I mean, he's going back to his hometown with a coach who helped have who helped him have success, who he trusts and respect. It was a no-brainer. Now, will it pay off? I don't know. Phil's got to prove he can stay healthy first and foremost. Yeah. But if it if it works, and I think he'll have success. And the other thing that's nice too is he's going to be in an offense he knows, and he's going to be in a conference he knows, which is going to help. And and, and Pitt's offensive line is going to be much better than what he was playing behind last year. The oh, Matt Goncalves yes. kid that Goncalves, excuse me, that plays left tackle is a good football player for Pitt. They got some of those dudes up front. The Mumfield kid did a did a pretty solid job. They got Gavin Mar- Bar- Bartholomew, excuse me, at tight end. So yeah, I, I, I well, I, my question is, you know, and this is, you know, legitimately for we are not Marshall. If you want to put it in the chat, why would he have gotten drafted this year and not next year? That's why I'm I'm a little confused on what that conversation. Like, are we assuming that he's just going to get hurt again? Like, I, I don't understand exactly what that like where that mind that thought process is. Excuse me. Yeah. I want to say something that also that that's that's not this question, but I want to I want to get yeah. to another one here real real quick. Uh, okay. 
this silly debate that's been going on on Twitter about whether or not Bama can claim Jalen Hurts. This is such a stupid debate, first of all. Jalen Hurts started in, in two national championship games for Alabama. Two. Yes, Alabama can claim Jalen Hurts. So can Oklahoma. That's completely different than Joe Burrow's situation. Joe Burrow never started a single game at Ohio State, ever. Ohio State cannot claim Joe Burrow unless Joe Burrow wants to be claimed by Ohio State, which he has said he does, right? So I can't – like, I've it's fun. It's a fun debate, but I've seen people, like, get really pissed about it on Twitter. And I'm like, hey, you're taking yourself too seriously. But when you have been at a team and you've started in two championship games at a school, yes, they can claim you. Yes. Of course they can claim you. And – <laughs> Some some of the stuff. It's it's like it's like Troy Aikman back in the day. Like Oklahoma probably can't claim Troy. Aikman, no, but UCLA no. could definitely claim Troy. Right, Aikman, right? exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Uh, John A1, in a 3-3-5, does Howard Cross, Cross play more D-end? If he is a D-end in a 3-3-5 and played the same volume in 2022, does he wear down the same? I'll, I'll say this real quick. It depends on what type of 3-3-5 you're running. And the type that I think Notre Dame would run, I still think he plays nose tackle, number one. Number two, I'm not saying that's ideal, but who else is going to play there? And number two, Howard Cross is going to wear down at any defensive line position. It just He's just not very big. And he's listed at 6'1", 276, and I think that's probably pushing it in both directions. But he's a really good football player. He just has to be on a pitch count. I mean, it's it's the statistics show it. The tape shows it. The more he plays, the deeper we get in the season, Ryan, every year Howard Cross's play goes down. If you yeah. can keep him in that 30-snap-a-game range, Howard Cross is a darn good player that can help you as a rotation guy. No question about it. Unfortunately, they've just kind of refused to kind of get some of those younger guys ready. And in some instances, those guys just aren't ready. Like in 2021, they just weren't ready. This year you had some guys that that maybe you should have coached up a little bit and gotten them ready to go. And then you had a bad break with Aiden Kayana getting hurt in spring, which hurt you a little bit as well. So uh, that's my stance on that one, Ryan. Do you have a a different take on that? 
No, I mean, ideally, I would love him at one of the end positions, John. I mean, to your question, right? Because I think that he can be a really impactful player in the sense of the ability that he has to create some plays in the backfield, right? I think that's the thing that Howard does really well, man, is that he is a really quick football player, really quick. He's not a perfect nose. No matter what system you play, he's not really a perfect nose. Even if it was a 3 three five penetration style, one gap. Like, could Coward Cross do some stuff at that nose in that spot? For sure he can. But do you want him playing at every play? Still probably not, right? Like, you probably still don't want it. So it's just where you are. I mean, hats off to Howard Cross. Like, he's playing a position that he shouldn't be playing, and he's giving you some pretty good production out of it for what he does, right? So I think ideally, man, like, hopefully Gabriel Rubio is a guy that we keep talking about, Jason Onye, like – Hopefully some of these guys can take a little bit off of Howard Cross as far as doing the dirty work in 2023 because I do I agree with Brian. I think that if you use Howard Cross rights and in the right volume, I think he could be a really impactful football player. Like in my mind, Brian, I'm just like, can you imagine an offensive line, a guard, where you're going against Riley Mills for a few snaps, right? And then you're like, okay, finally I figured him out, right? He's long. I know where the target is. I know where my hand placement has to be. And then all of a sudden, six foot <laughs> Howard Cross comes in. And you're like, darn it, man. Now I got to redo where my target points are and how I attack him and where my leverage point is. And it could be a headache. So I think Howard Cross could be an impactful football player for the role he is, but it's just unfortunately where you are with the lack of development at the nose tackle position you just don't really have anybody else that you trust at a high volume or multiple guys that you trust at a high volume. Agree. Let's get to some more questions here. Uh, I want to say this real quick. If you're a fan of another team and you want to come into our chat and engage and talk, that's totally fine. We have, we have a, we've had a Bama fan in here, Ladarius for uh, since our inception, Archer's been with us for over a year, but you start insulting Notre Dame fans by saying you're dealing in facts and they're dealing in opinion you're going to get kicked out of the chat. I'm sorry. There's just no way around it. And so one of my moderators did not do that. I did that. And it's my channel, my show, and you're going to treat Notre Dame fans with respect. Does that mean you have to agree with them? No, they're wrong. Sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes he's wrong. Sometimes, but when you start saying you're dealing in facts and we're dealing opinions and a Notre Dame fan can't, can't win a debate with an Alabama fan. Now you're just being a jerk to people and we're not going to tolerate that. So We'll, we'll we'll let you have come back, which is why I just put you in a timeout, not completely block you. But that's where you cross the line. You stay away from that, and I'm cool with a lot of the stuff that you're saying. That's just the that's just the reality of it. So I just want to put that out there uh, for those people that are coming to our chat. We always welcome people from other chats, but we're not going to let you come in here and just be insulting to people and say things like that. That's just not. Uh, and and Roger Dodgers, the USC fan, we yes. have in here. So look there's a there's a we we argue we debate we get after it we've allowed a lot of that but you know oh and there he goes and he's gone so i had a feeling he was going to respond that way oh and i didn't so, see it i didn't yeah. see it oh man yeah. just typical bama fan so uh we don't have to worry about him anymore so i had a feeling that was going to happen this is why i did that so that was that was ladarius's burner just yeah, I know, right? No, Ladarius <laughs> would never be that disrespectful to somebody. Nope. All right. Ryan Schulte says, is there an offensive system that TB12 would have the upper hand over Hartman, or do you see Hartman's experience as the biggest separator between the two regardless of system? If we're looking at 2023, Hartman's going to have the advantage over Tyler in most systems. However, 
if you're going to run an offense like Oklahoma 2018, your quarterback's going to be your leading rusher. Yeah, that's one where Tyler Buckner's going to do better. Right. And an offense like like Clemson's offense with Deshaun Watson, Tyler's going to do better. Because you know what Wisconsin or Clemson did that year in 16? They were willing to live with the turnovers because he was going to make huge plays. That's very much what we saw from Tyler in the Gator Bowl. So assuming Tyler is that guy more than the Marshall Ohio State guy, and that's an assumption, right? Because we've seen more of Tyler being the Marshall Ohio State guy than we have of him being the South Carolina guy. I think he's the South Carolina guy, but better. But assuming that's what you get, then some offenses are going to be willing to live with that. Yeah. Where Sam is always going to have an edge over Tyler is in a system that is a pure stay in the pocket, throw to football offense. That's just where it's going to be. So anytime you get an offense that puts more on the quarterback's shoulders from a playmaking standpoint, that's up Tyler Buckner's alley. That's going to be more where you see from Tyler Buckner, Ryan. So okay. if we're talking about Ohio State's offense, it's Sam Hartman. That's the guy you want running that offense. If we're talking about Lincoln Riley's offense, that's a lot more debatable because Lincoln Riley has shown he likes a quarterback that can move around and make some plays off platform and some stuff like that. So it just really depends on what system we're talking about, which sure. is why Jalen Hurts wasn't as good in, in Alabama's offense from a production standpoint as he was in Oklahoma's. Because Oklahoma's offense was more suited to Jalen's ability, whereas Alabama wanted more of a pocket passer, which is what Tua is. I mean, Tua yes. can run, but he's not a runner. Jalen is a dual-threat guy. And so Jalen was much better at Oklahoma than he was at Alabama, in my opinion. as a Because it was – I mean, he did some good things at Alabama. What do you have, like 16 touchdowns and one pick one year that they went and played the championship game? But yeah. he was not the impact guy. He was just kind of a – he was – he. you know what he was? He was whatever Golson was in 2012. Just go make some plays, but just we're not going to put too much on your shoulders because we don't want you to make a mistake. At Oklahoma, they said, hey, man, go make plays for us. Go, go be the dude. Go be that guy. And, and it fit what he did a lot better, in okay. my opinion. So that's my stance on that one, right? Okay. Uh, Tommy Gunn says, will Irish Breakdown be covering the commitment announcement tomorrow? Is, is it, it is tomorrow. Uh, Leonard Moore is the player's name. It'll be at noon. We will be carrying that live. We will have a live show during that time. And then – We'll cover that, and then we'll have a, a show again at 2 o'clock. We'll do our RTF show at 2 o'clock. So, yes, we will be live at noon for Leonard Moore's commitment, and we'll discuss what decision he makes and what that means for Notre Dame. So, yes, we will have that for sure. Be there, Tommy. Be yes. there. Yes, absolutely. Nathan Hill says, if Tommy Reese leaves for Alabama, what would you think about Joe Brady as the next offensive coordinator? Ryan, I'll just say this and I'll let you go. I'm very intrigued by that. Yes. Very I mean, it's it's a high upside pick, right? I mean, I, I think that, look, when we look at Joe Brady's background, everybody knows what he did in 2019 to help that LSU team go from inconsistent offensively the year before to one of the best offenses we have ever seen in college football, right? Like, we, we it's been well documented. I have also – I said this yesterday, and I will back this comment up again. I think that what happened with him in Carolina as the OC shortly after that was a little bit of a scapegoat on the part of Matt Rule. The first year, he was given Teddy Bridgewater as a starting quarterback, and Christian McCaffrey got hurt and only played in a couple games that year, right? So that's your best offensive weapon, and I think we all know that there are some limitations to how Teddy Bridgewater can play quarterback, right? Despite that – Still did some okay things his first year at Carolina. The next year is the Sam Darnold fiasco, right? Where you trade, you get Sam Darnold. Christian McCaffrey again gets hurt. And I think that Matt Rule just wasn't an NFL guy. Just wasn't, right? So 
Matt, he, he fired him during that season. And then it's just kind of like, Oh no, it wasn't my fault. It was, it was Joe Brady's fault. But then the next year it's the same story. Right. So it's just like, eh, it's, it was Matt rule. It wasn't really Joe right. Brady. So Joe Brady, I think is a very intelligent offensive coordinator. If he is willing to recruits and be in college football. Cause that's the one question I think you have right now with Joe Brady is that he's been in the NFL now for a few years. Right. So it's like, does he want to go and do that recruiting thing again? Cause it's not for everyone. Right? right. So I think that he would be a very interesting pick though, because he's a very smart guy. He's shown that he can be really successful with a good quarterback. And I think Sam Hartman is a, a good quarterback, obviously. Right. I think Tyler Buckner is a very talented quarterback that could be very good at this level as well. So I think there'd be the resources for him to be very good with Notre Dame. I think that he would bring some structural stuff to Notre Dame that would be incredibly interesting, incredibly creative. So I'm very intrigued by it. But at the end of the day, it comes down to, for me, would Joe Brady want to come recruits? Does he want to be in college? If he does, then I think it would be a great hire. I do. I do think it would be a great hire. I mean, he he the resources are there, like you said. You've got the quarterback now. You've got guys coming down the pike, whether it's Tyler Buckner, Kenny Minchie, CJ yeah. Carr. I mean, who was the guy we, when we did our player comps for the 2024 class? Who was the guy that we had this long debate about? Uh, you know, uh, in a private chat, you and I, like, okay, what's the quarterback that best fits CJ Carr's yes. skill? Like, you know, I brought up Justin Herbert because I think the body type is similar, you know, taller, skinnier, kind of a wiry. Mm-hmm. I think he's a more a more explosive athlete where Joe Burrow was kind of smooth, Herbert and Carr, but then throwing the ball, Carr is much more like Joe Burrow was throwing the ball, yeah. right? So yeah. we kind of had that debate a little bit, but you know, the, the point is as a thrower, he's he's more in the Joe Burrow school. I'm not saying he's as good, but just that type of thrower. Good yeah. really strong arm, but not like the can like Herbert's got a just a cannon right. for an yeah. arm. Yeah. And, and, and he's not as accurate. He doesn't show the ball placement touch that Joe Burrow does. And so that's not, that doesn't really fit CJ that way. So we went more with the guy that fit CJ as a thrower, as opposed to the guy that fit CJ body type and athletic wise. Right. Well, I mean, we saw what that offense can do. We've talked many, many times about how intelligent CJ Carr is. He'd be able to handle that kind of offense in my opinion. So, um, and I, and I'll tell you what, I think the comp, the offense for LSU was complex for the quarterback, but it was kind of simple for the skill players. And that's the, that's that healthy balance that you want, you know, where you're not given five pre snap checks for the receivers and then four post snap potential route options. You're not doing all that. The right. quarterback's getting them where they need to go. And then you go from there. So I would be very intrigued. And I'll just say this, uh, when we release our list of guys, uh, he will be, he will be on the list of guys yeah. that we will discuss. No question. And, and I would also say this too, Brian, when you lose an offensive coordinator, when you lose a coordinator in general, potentially it's a blow to a program, right? Cause now you have to answer that bell. I think Joe Brady would also bring a lot of excitement to the folds for not only Notre Dame fans, but for recruits and just the potential of what the offense yeah. can be. So I, I think it's a, it would be a very interesting opportunity on multiple fronts in my opinion. Yeah. Here's a couple more along the same conversations from Jordan Pinera. Says, assuming Tom Reese leaves, for argument's sake, would David Shaw or Chip Long be guys that Marcus Freeman calls for the OC job? We are not going to answer the question ever in a way of what Marcus Freeman will do because I don't know. Sure. Uh, so I'm going to amend your question just a little bit, Jordan, because I like the question. It's just more of would he be guys that we would want Marcus Freeman to call? Uh, I'll answer mine, and it's yes and yes. I think you have to call David Shaw. I highly doubt David Shaw is interested in the job. I highly doubt David Shaw still has the passion for recruiting. So 
But I do think David Shaw is still a, a great offensive mind. And if you could just kind of let him coach, and he's a great quarterback's coach, because even all the struggles they've had the last couple of years, he's now going to have a second quarterback picked in the first three rounds in th- two of the last three drafts with crap teams. Yes. Right. What could he do with the kind of quarterback and offensive system? And what have we said? Boy, they got talent on the offensive line of Stanford, but their offensive line stinks. Well, he's going to have a Harry Eastand coaching the offensive line. So yes. you would have to call David Shaw. And then when he says no, you politely move on. Right. Uh, but yes, I would I would call him and I would definitely call Chip Long as well. You know, look, I'd have to have some conversations with Chip about the last couple of years and what your plans are. What are the things you've kind of you know, the lessons you've kind of learned. But the fact of the matter is Chip Long has shown that he can put together a pretty good offense in Notre Dame. And that was with limited quarterback play. And one of the players that hated Chip Long, and that's been an overblown thing and a character assassination by some of, uh, you know, some people that were just doing Brian Kelly's bidding. I've said this time and time again. I know some big time players in Notre Dame that love Chip Long. Okay. One of the players that hated him was Ian Book. Because I think Ian Book doesn't like it and yelled at. However, Ian Book's two best seasons were his worst season was his last year when Chip Long was gone. So you can cry all you want about how you didn't like Chip Long, but he you were a better player when he was your quarter coordinator than you were when Tommy Reese was. So there's that. Uh, but he had Brandon Wimbush and Ian Book, who to me are two limited quarterbacks, and they still scored more points uh, than Notre Dame has under Tommy Reese. And I, I did a breakdown on this on my other computer. But the scoring average, just offensive scoring average, in the three years under Chip Long was several points higher than it was the three years prior and the three years after he left. That's not a coincidence. Despite the fact for two of those three years, he was working with an offensive line coach that he could not stand and did not want to work with. So, you know, and and Notre Dame went to a playoff berth under Chip Long too. Let's not forget that either. I mean, they went 10-3, and 12-1, and and 11-2 and in his three years as the offense coordinator. And I think the talent is better and deeper now. And a lot of the kids on the offensive roster, he recruited. A chunk of the receiving core, he recruited. He recruited Deion, Deion Coles. He committed while Chip Long was still here. Uh, Lorenzo Styles committed while he was still here. Uh, Chris Tyree was committed. Zeke Carell, Andrew Kristoffic. All those guys actually played for a year with Chip Long on the coaching staff. So uh, I would definitely give him a call. Would he, he, he be the guy that I would target immediately as my number one? I don't know. He'd be in my he'd be in my group though. And I know some people are not gonna like that, and I get it, but he would be because I think he's shown that he can he can coach, he can recruit at Notre Dame too. He's a very right. good recruiter at Notre Dame. Well, and, and he's I think gonna that... promise me he ain't bring Dell with him though. <laughs> that would be in my contract. Fireable offense. <laughs> if you bring Dell back with you, you're gone. Hashtag don't bring Dell. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. I, I mean, but to Jordan's question, I agree with you, Brian. I mean, would I give him a call? Yeah, I give him a call. That yeah. doesn't mean because just because you call someone doesn't mean that that's your guy, right? right? Like it's it's you have to build a list and you have to see what the interest is out there. Like me yeah. saying that I'll call Chip Long is not saying I'm calling Chip Long and I'm offering him on the spot if he's screw you, Joe Brady. I'm bringing in Chip Long. <laughs> exactly. I don't exactly. care if David Shaw wants to come here. I'm bringing in the first guy that I called. No, he was getting I, very strong consideration for me. Because if I was – honestly, if I'm the head coach, I want to see what the interest level is just in general, right? This is your first time that you're replacing a coordinator as the head coach at Notre Dame, right, potentially. And if you do, I would want to know, like, what is the – what's the gravity here, right? What can I potentially get? What's the full scope? Because if you just settle in on 
two guys and you don't open your mind to possibilities, maybe there's something out there that you're like, oh, that's surprising. I didn't know that there would be interest from that market or this market. So I think that you cast a wide net of interest, but ultimately you know what your pecking order is, right? You know who you right. want, who your second option is, all that good stuff. But would I give them a call? For sure. There's no, whole, right. there's no harm in giving them a call. Right. No harm. Right. And would he be someone that I would give a, a hard look to? Yeah. But in full disclosure, I'm, I'm also no chip very well. Yeah. So there's that too. I, I know more of what happened, what actually happened at Notre Dame for him to get let off than a lot of people do. And so I think there'd be a lot more people at Notre Dame that would be, would welcome him back than, than not. And the people that didn't, didn't like him or want him to move on are gone. Now, does that mean he would be my number one choice? I, I, I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to look into that, but he definitely would be someone I would give a look to. Uh, get some more of these because I'm I'm liking some of these these questions we'll have. So th- there's gonna be there's gonna be more of those type of things. John A one says great O line show on Wednesday. Wanted to ask what's the most physical O line up in 2023 going across the line. Joe Wall is starting left tackle, so uh, left guard to right tackle. I mean, I think we kind of most physical. We kind of talked about that, Ryan. For me, it'd be it'd be him at left guard. It'd be Billy uh, Joe Wall at left tackle, Billy Shrouth at left guard, Zeke Crow at center. Charles Jagasaw or Ty Chan at right guard and Blake Fisher at right tackle. That would yeah. be my, if we're my, just talking physicality, if we're just going to run out and we're going to throw the ball for 85 yards a game and not pass the ball, and we're just going to be a run it all day team. Um, That's going to be my lineup's going to look something like that. Yeah. Mine was. So the second one you said at right guard was my initial response. I thought Blake. So I'm sorry, I'm going right to left here for a second. So Blake Fisher, Ty Chan, just cause he's such a massive dude, man. Z Corral. Uh, Billy Shrouth and Joe Wald at left tackle. That was my initial thought, but then I, I completely forgot about Charles Jagasaw there for yeah. a second. So that's not a wrong answer. Right? <laughs> like my yeah. dude is a nasty dude. And then my mind also went to like, huh, but what if I put Billy Shrouth at center? If I'm just going for yeah. physicality, I get Ty yeah. Chan in there too. And, I, I think yeah. Zeke Krull is a pretty physical kid though. He is. He I, is. I do. He, he plays is. hard. Yes, he does. He plays hard. There's no doubt about that. Let's get to some more here. I want to. I, th- I thought we had a super chat down here. Here we go. Uh, Milton fan fifteen says, "I'm on the fence about Tyrese, but what accomplishments puts him as a front runner for the Bama job?" So I mean, so, so Milton fan, it's not all about like it's not always about just pointing at numbers for what makes a guy a great candidate, right? Because the big thing is that you understand that you are bringing him in to a different situation, right? Because you can look at Notre Dame and say you had this, this, and this, right? Alabama, you might have slightly different, you know, there might be a couple different things that maybe you didn't have at Notre Dame. There might be a couple of things you also did, did have at Notre Dame that you don't have necessarily there. But regardless, I think it's more about what are, what does he believe in? Do I think he's still improving? Because again, we're talking about a 31-year-old offensive coordinator. I think people have an assumption that he is as good as he'll ever be. I disagree. Because I'm 31 and I, I'd like to think that I still have a lot of room to grow and that I will continue to grow, right? So Tommy Reese, I think you look at the upside, the potential. Where can he go? What does he believe in? And then you have that conversation. Like, why did they fly him into Tuscaloosa yesterday? Because they want to talk to him. They want to see it, right? Like, you can talk to someone over the phone, but it's way different from getting firsthand and asking him, Tommy, if you had these resources, what is your plan? Right. What what would you bring to this program that could take us back to the promised lands? Right. So I think there's a lot of 
context that is missed just based upon what did you do at Notre Dame? Because that doesn't mean that that's all you'll ever be. That doesn't mean that's all you are. There might be some things, and we've talked about this with the quarterback situation this year, was there some limitations that you were working through at times, right? So I think that it's more about philosophically, how do you fit? And as a 31-year-old man, how much better do you still think you could be, man? Like, seriously, what's the next step for you? What's the next step to take yourself to a next level to help us to get to the next level? Very well done, Ryan. Very well Thank done. You. you have Thank another you. super chat from Wicked Bronco Productions. Hey, Brian, I know you're a Broncos fan. Thoughts on the Peyton hiring and if he can fix Russ, Notre Dame. Any reason why a lot of 24 guys like RW are trending away? Ryan Wingo. Ryan, okay. Uh, number one, the trending away, I think to say a lot of them are trending away is a major overstatement. Yeah, I think Ryan Wingo is very much in the Christian Gray category. Typical Notre Dame kid that liked Notre Dame a lot early, but now is getting all these big-time programs pushing for him, so there's going to be that pull for a while, but eventually Notre Dame will be back right in the mix. Of course, that we'll have to see now with the, the changes, right? You know, But but I don't think it's tr- trending away in the way that you think he's trending away. I, I don't think that's accurate. I think that's a normal thing for a kid that Notre Dame was in on early, and I don't think a lot of 24 kids are trending away. Uh, to the first part, you know, look, Sean Payton did some really good things with the, the Saints. I have two, two really, three really big problems with this hire. Number one, Ryan, is they gave up a first round draft pick and a second round draft pick to get him. Okay, great. They got a third round pick back, but you've now given away three first round draft picks to get Russ Wilson and Sean Payton. I just think that's a little nuts. He's, he's uh, not Russell Wilson anymore. He's over the hill. So he's Russ Wilson now. Right. Which is right. Um, <laughs> Well, I just was kind of saying it the way I that he said it. I know. You look, Russell Wilson's had two down years now in a row. Yeah. That's not that's a trend. You know what I mean? And and at his, at his age, you don't often see guys his age have two down years and then all of a sudden come back and be great. Right. You just don't see that unless there's a, a point, an injury you can point to. Now you could say, hey, maybe it was bad coaching, and maybe it was. And and yardage wise, Russ did some okay things this year, yardage wise, but Look, maybe it is offense. Maybe it is coaching. I just have my doubts about it. And you paid a lot of money for a guy that's past his prime. And even if Russ is bounces back, he's Ryan, he's not going to bounce bounce back and be vintage 2013 Russ Wilson or whatever. You know what I mean? Sure. Like that's it's yeah. not going to be that's the year they beat the Broncos in the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. So he's not going to be that guy. And you gave up two first round draft picks and are paying him like about forty million dollars. You're paying him like he's 2013 Russell Wilson. And they got desperate, and it was a desperation move. And I hate desperation moves in the NFL because they usually cost you a lot. Uh, you know, but the other thing too is I always get very leery of quarterback of coaches who've only really had success with a Hall of Fame quarterback. Now, you could say, well, Sean Payton did go to a Super Bowl with the Giants as the OC without a Hall of Fame quarterback. They had Kerry Collins, he was a good quarterback, he wasn't a Hall of Famer. But overall, his primary success came with Drew Brees. They weren't that good when Drew Brees left, and that's why he's gone, basically. You know, so just I don't see a lot of reason to be super fired up about it unless I'm wrong, and I hope I'm wrong about it because I hope Sean Payton is the answer. I really do, Ryan. I really hope he is the guy that can help bring it back. I just – I have my doubts. I have my doubts about it. I mean, he's certainly a better coach than Nathaniel Hackett, right? I mean, we can all agree on that, right? Yes. Just the question is, is it – 
are you in a situation where giving up that much capital for a coach is going to get you to the promised land? Right. Because right. I mean, do you, how long do you think champagne also wants to coach anymore? I mean, he's already retired once, right? right. So is he going to be patient to build us up for three years? Is this, does he think it's going to be a quick fix? Cause he's got Russell Wilson in, in on, his, on right. the roster. Like I, I just think there's a lot of, a lot of potential to be disappointed with the, with the move, but Again, at, at the core, you upgraded the, the the head coach position, but I, I just don't know if it was quite worth what you gave up, which I think is yeah. the the main conversation point. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. Like you said, okay, so they're not going to be four and twelve again. Okay, so does that mean they're nine and seven, or maybe they get to ten and six and they're getting knocked out? In the, like, to me, like I either want to suck or be a t- contender. Sure. Like the worst place to be is nine and seven, ten and six every year because then you're just constantly getting like. 18 to 25 spot draft picks. That's you know the worst thing ever that you could be is that you have a okay quarterback that can get you to nine and seven, but that always keeps you out of getting a really good player, right? Like right. that's where you are. That's that's what we right. call purgatory. And <laughs> that is not exactly, a place you want to be. <laughs> that's what a good coach they are, in my opinion. Yes. You know, so with the current with the roster they have right now at quarterback. Here's another super chat from Charlie Weiss's last belt loop. Since it's um I don't know what MBF mailbag Friday. Okay. If you could rewrite history with what non Notre Dame recruit would have made the biggest difference to Notre Dame winning a national championship outside of quarterback. I know hard question. Thank you. I mean, I don't think it's that hard of a question. I'm still going to go back to and say Randy Moss. That's the first person that popped in my head as well. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's Rand. You know, my, my thing would be Randy Moss. I mean, I, I could look at some other players like, you know, like what if Reggie Bush would have come to Notre Dame? Would Notre Dame have won a title in 05? Probably not. I don't think your defense would have been able to stop Vince Young in the championship game still. Right? Sure. I just, you know, so I mean, you can go something like that, but okay, here, here's one for you, Ryan. I'll go more yeah. modern times. If they would have been able to get Lamar Jackson instead of Louisville. Now, Notre Dame didn't recruit Lamar Jackson. Sure. But if you could have put Lamar Jackson on that 2017 team with that offensive line and that defense. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's not bad. I mean, pick a quarterback in the last five years, and, and that that would be one. I mean, honest, like we've said this before, if you put any of the other three national title or any of the other three playoff quarterbacks on Notre Dame's roster in 2018, Notre Dame, I think, wins a championship. Yeah. You know, Um Trying to think of some. Yeah. Uh, if you could have recruited a different coordinator, can we count that? I, I think so. And, and then give so. me a different coordinator in 2015 on defense. That team had the national championship caliber roster. This is what drives me so nuts when people are like, well, no, they just can't recruit championship caliber players. They have multiple times in the last 10 years yeah. had championship caliber rosters at everywhere except either defensive coordinator or quarterback. So pick a big time quarterback. And yeah, Notre Dame's got a championship, in my opinion. Randy Moss, Randy Moss is a really fun one to think about, though. It's just, yeah. man. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I always hate when I see the pictures of him in the Notre Dame uniform. I'm just like, hurts my yeah. soul, man. Hurts Makes you soul. want to cry a little bit. <laughs> Same here. Same here. Good question, Charlie. Uh, Ty has a super chat. Thank you, Ty. I understand you aren't allowed to give details, but can you say yes or no as to if Tommy Reese has made a decision either way? Thanks for everything. So I can't say yes or no because I don't know the answer, but as of late last night, a decision had not been made. Has that changed today? I haven't been given the word it has or hasn't. So I mean it would it would literally it would literally just be speculation 
for me. Yeah. Uh, by me. So I honestly can't tell you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, Charlie Weiss's last belt loop with Super Chat. As a vet, perception in the military is often BS. Okay. Thank you for the Super Chat, Charlie. Tyler Smith says this, and I have a very strong opinion on this one. Thank you for the Super Chat, Tyler. What do you guys think of Scott Frost as OC? Can, so, can, I, um, can I start and then let you have your rant? Can I can I do it? It's quick? not a rant. It's That's a very rant. quick okay. statement. Okay. But yes, you can still start. I, I was just going to say, I think Scott Frost is a pretty sharp offensive mind, but he's not a fit at Notre Dame from a character perspective. He's and an I'll leave it at like awful that. human being. <laughs> yes. Awful <laughs> human being. And and uh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely not. Like, heck to the no. Like, I have about 13 explicit, ex, you know, expletives in my head right now that I want to use to describe Scott Frost. Uh, so no, I don't want to win that way. I don't want to win that way. So uh, Sean Lacero with a super chat. Thank you very much. What is the hardest sport to officiate? That's a good question. I, good I question. think it's football. I still think it's football because everything Probably. happens so violently and yeah. so fast. And there's so many more people on the mound or I mean, on the field. I think baseball is easiest because every umpire can have his own freaking strike zone. And it's slow, and it's yes. more slow pace. Yeah. What, what do you think? Second hardest, maybe basketball. I guess basketball's a little hard. I guess. Maybe. Well, for me, the hardest would be hockey because I don't know the rules, so it'd be very hard. For oh, me in that regard, and you have to hardest, not escape. The hardest would be soccer for me because I just yeah. don't know. Soccer. No, I was kidding about that. But in all seriousness, yeah. about hockey, I, I because yeah. there's a level of athletic talent you need to have to be a hockey official. And you're skating. You're not just moving around and jump. You're in sneakers. You've got to know how to skate. I don't know how to skate. You know what I mean? Sure. Like I just, I put, I've said this before. I put anything like roller blades, roller skates, ice skates, uh, snowboard, skis, whatever. You put anything on my feet that's not sneakers. I lose coordination. I don't know what it is. I just can't do it. I'm, I'm so, actually a pretty good skater, believe it or yeah. not. I'm actually decent at skating. Yeah, that's good for you. So you could be a hockey official. But no, I, I think any of those sports. And I don't know if I'm quite good enough to be a hockey official. The, the, yeah. the reason I say it, Ryan, is any of those sports where there's a lot of violence involved, and I don't mean, I mean violence in like a physical, I guess being sure. that are physical, that are as fast paced as those sports are. I mean, hockey is, is, is not, is like hockey is basically football and basketball combined, meaning it's the free flow non-stoppage of like a basketball where the only time you stop is when there's a penalty or an end of a period, right? I'm correct on that, correct? So the only time you stop a hockey game is if there's a a score, right? So that's kind of partly football. Uh, If there's a penalty, so that's like basketball, and and, and it's free-flowing like basketball. 
And then, of course, there's the physicality of football. So I think that would be a, a you know, and then there's the just all the different rules. I mean, the, the things that happen with a stick or so, they can happen so fast. And so I think that would be another typical one. Basketball is not that hard to me because there's such a great, you know, player. Uh, well, I guess at the upper, upper levels, I don't think basketball is that challenging. At the lower levels, just two officials. Yeah, it's a lot harder. Sure. Like if you're like high school and some of these places only have two officials, it can be a lot harder to officiate. But yeah. I, I think that's probably the hardest. I think it's football. Yeah. Yeah. I think baseball is the easiest of them because they're, because from a home plate umpire, I mean, it's not easy. My, my dad's probably like screaming at the, at the screen right now. Cause he was a great umpire. Um, when I was a kid, like he was doing a lot of high school legion. He started to do some college games before we had to move to Virginia, you know, but he took it real seriously. I mean, so, so, I mean, you got to take it seriously and you got to work at it, but of the four that none of them are easy, but I'd say that's probably the easiest just because of the pace of the game, and because of the fact that there's when you're a home plate umpire, there's so much leeway for you to kind of have your own strike zone. As long as you're consistent with it, then most people live with it. Like, hey, I know this guy's a low strike zone, so I got to keep it down. Or this guy has a big strike zone or a high strike zone or whatever. As long as there's consistent, I think you can be a good official, in my sure. opinion. I think the bad officials, like Angel Hernandez, is a horrible official. That's because there's just no consistency what he's doing. It's just like, right. dude, you called that a strike last inning. I don't, I, you know, I don't. I, you know. I hate that so much. I mean, you'll see it from like a pitch to pitch perspective too, where it's like right. this thing gets it's called a strike and then the very next pitch, it's called a ball. It's like, that's the right. same exact spot. I just right. hit. <laughs> that makes a bad official. But if I like, dude, I've been calling this a ball all game. Don't get mad at me because you keep trying to throw there and arguing that should be a strike. I've been calling this a ball the whole game. Yeah. Right. And so I think, I think most pitchers I know as, as a form, when I was a pitcher, as long as I know what your strike zone is, I can live with it. Cause then I can just, pitch within it but if it's like right. one inning it's this and the next inning is the if one inning i'm just getting guys at the knees the whole and you're just calling them you know maybe a couple inches below the knees and you're calling them and then the next inning i'm throwing at the guy's thigh and you're calling it a ball right. uh, uh, you know like what's going on and, and then you're still you know you're calling those pitches you know not not the same it's just that makes it hard yep that can make it very hard in my opinion very very hard Let's go through some more of these questions, Ryan. Uh, we, we have so many good questions today. We're just not going to be able to get to all of them. I, I want to say thank you to Jordan Pinheiro, too. Just want to say I appreciate what you guys do. Love getting unbiased info, good, bad, or ugly. Thank you. All right, here, here we go, Ryan. Uh, here's one, Ryan, from 99 Problems of BK Ain't One. Yeah, and 99 Problems says, if Tommy leaves for Alabama, one, who is the best or right hire, offensive coordinator hire, who is the splashiest offensive coordinator hire? And three, who is the safest offensive coordinator hire? Well, who's the best? I don't know the answer to that right now. Right. And I don't, don't think know. there yeah. is a best. I don't think there's one best. Who is the splashiest? I mean, we've talked about the two guys that would be the splashiest. It would be Joe, Joe Brady or David Shaw. Or yeah. David Shaw. Yeah. I think those would both be very splashy hires. Uh, who is the safest hire? Promoting from within, Jared Parker. That's easy because yes. Marcus Freeman knows him. Yes. You know, yes. I think that would be yep. the safest. Would be Jer- Jared Parker and he has OC and yeah, Jared Car- Parker yeah. OC and then maybe Dylan McCullough your run game coordinator or something like that. Right. Like that, yeah, exactly. Right. Maybe bringing a quarterbacks coach and make him your pass game coordinator or something like that. Sure. You know, that that would be the safest. So, yep. and I don't know enough about what Jared Parker did at West Virginia to say if that'd be a good or bad hire. I don't know the answer to that because he was a co yeah. he was a co OC right at. West Virginia. He was the play caller. He was the play caller. Uh, whether yeah. he was co-OC or not. Now, 
I have heard from a lot of different people that that Neil Brown was very involved in in that, and oftentimes would override things and kind of do his own thing. So I think that, that plays that into some. Doesn't surprise of, me. Doesn't right? surprise me at all. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, there's some of that too. So that that also makes it a, a little bit difficult to to kind of get into how good of a job did Jared Parker really do if he wasn't being allowed to do really what he wanted. That kind of that kind of fits into it as well. Some sure. of these questions like this from Tyler Eric says, AAU basketball is ridiculous right now. Parents are out of control. I mean, there's a lot of those things that can go into a question. Like somebody had said something about like uh, it's, uh, you know, refing soccer in Brazil because they try to, you know, basically kill you afterwards. That's not what I were, we were referring to when we're talking about hardest. We're not talking about the most dangerous uh, as far as just officiating the mechanics of the officiating, I think is, is the thing for me. Because if you're going to talk about that, I think football is one of the easiest sports to officiate just because you don't hear it from the fans a lot. And then the other, but the other part of officiating is well, if you're one of the sideline people, it's not an easy job because you got the flipping coaches in here the whole game. Yeah, but if I you're mean, out, if, if you're out one of the coaches on the field, it's easy because yeah. you don't hear the fans. But in basketball and in baseball, I was going to say base, you hear baseball. Everything. Yeah, baseball is probably the worst when you're talking about the parents and stuff. It's just and, you hear everything, man. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It is not. It is not easy. It is not easy. I would imagine hockey's a lot like football because it's a loud environment. There's a lot of crash. There's a lot of the, the sport by itself makes a lot of noise. The, you know, the skates on the ice and then the, you've got the glass. So I'd imagine it's a little harder to hear coaches and fans. I think hockey from a dealing with non-player standpoint, probably the easiest because it's hard for the coaches to get in their ear and you really can't hear the specific fans probably as well. Uh, so, and you've got a, a lot of them, don't they wear helmets? They do wear helmets. Yeah. So you've got that kind of covering yours as well. So that's some good questions. Broke neck boy says, can Notre Dame go 12 and 0 so I can see them playing the Rose Bowl would be so beautiful. Can they? Yes. Will they? Don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, they've done it twice in, in the regular season in the, in the last, what, five years, they've done it twice. So it's certainly yeah. possible. They'll have a better quarterback most likely this year than they had in both of those times as well. Here's a drafting for you from Tommy Guns, Ryan. Does Tennessee draft Bijan Robinson as a replacement for Derrick Henry, or do you think Henry still has some good tread left on those tank tracks? I I think that Henry has a couple years left. I mean, ultimately, though, Tommy, my my real answer here is look, Bijan Robinson is a Dud, man. I think he's not going to be drafted in the top 10 most likely, but he is a top 10 player. In he this would have been a top 10 pick about 10 years ago. Yeah. And I, honestly, Brian, like I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up still being a top 10 pick just because of how good he is. He is a fantastic football player. And even he if can he catch the football. And that's and, the thing. Oh, dude, he can yeah. high point the football. Like He's a really yeah. good pass receiver. It's, it's insane. Tommy, I don't think so, though, just because I just don't think Tennessee's roster is quite good enough where you can just sacrifice that right now. You know, like – I. Derrick Henry, I think, still has a couple years left. I don't think he's a very good football player. And I, I just – I think that you need to figure out other portions of your roster that are maybe a little bit more important than finding the heir apparent to your running back, your your Pro Bowl running back at that. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Some of these answers to our officiating uh, conversation are hilarious. Salty Virginia Pena says, it's fine, Brian. Today's college football officials don't know the rules either. Very, very well played. Uh, there was another one down here. Beef Eater said uh, tennis would be is the hardest one because it's too boring to pay attention for any extended period. Oh, I, I, I kind of like watching tennis, man. But like sitting there, tennis. would you like watching it in person? I think it's a lot more fun know. on TV. I think it's I one know. of those sports that's more fun to can, be there. Can, 
to, to I, salt to salty's point though, which is pretty funny. Yeah. I feel like more this football season than any that I can remember. I've sat there and been like, "What are the officials doing right now?" Like and, not, and NFL and college. I mean, I'm not watching even for the playoffs, a call. Ryan. Just like yeah. just like stoppage and play and stuff. I'm like, "What are we doing? Yeah. Like, are we right. moving here? Like, it's insane, it's kidding. it's." I don't know what it is. I've got a lot of theories. I don't know what it is, but officiating has and, and it's, it's I, I'm watching college basketball and it's just yeah awful. Yeah. It's gotten worse, and I yep. don't know why. It's really strange. I've got some theories, but I really don't know why it's it's gotten so bad. There, there it, was yeah, there was a play during the Eagles 49ers game. I forget what even happened in this football like what the what the play did. But Brian, it took like four minutes to figure out a spot. I'm like. Why did that take four minutes? Like, what? Right. Why is it taking that long? I don't understand. I just, right. I don't get it, man. I don't. Zach cool. Felipe says, uh, "Do you guys think that if Re- Tom Reese leaves, it is a bad look in a sense that it makes Notre Dame look as a stepping stone instead of a destination?" I, I think I'd, I'd be look. I'd be completely. Uh, I think I'd be in error if I said there's none, nothing to this thought process. I, get I think it. to some they may view it that way, but. Part of the reason Tommy Reese wants this job is because of when you look at what has happened and the career trajectories of six of the last seven offensive coordinators under Saban. Six of the last seven have gone on to much better jobs next. You know what I mean? And so, you know, look, uh, Jim McElwain got the head coaching job of Florida. Uh, Lane Kiffin got a head coaching job at Florida Atlantic. He's now at Ole Miss. Uh, Mike Lockley's American, Brian, Brian Dable got, what was he, the OC job with the Bills, and then that got him the head coaching job with the the Giants. I think that right there is the track that Tommy Reese is, I think, pursuing as the NFL route. Bill O'Brien just got the OC job with the, the New England Patriots. Steve Sarkeesian got the Texas job. Mike Lockley got Maryland, which I'm not sure if I said that one or not yet. So, yeah. so, so it, all of a sudden, if you look at Notre Dame's offense the last two years, Lance Taylor went from running backs coach to the OC at Louisville. Now he's the head coach at Western Michigan. The tight ends coach got the offensive coordinator job at Boston College. Their name's offensive coordinator got the offensive coordinator job at Alabama, if that were to happen. Now all of a sudden you're like, dude, Notre Dame's the place to be at because their coaches are getting big-time promotions, which for most of Brian Kelly's tenure, it was like, you're going to Miami of Ohio, you're going to UMass, you're taking a lateral move back to Ohio State because they don't want you there. And Harry Heastan's the only guy that really got a big promotion to leave Notre Dame and that was to go be the Bears offensive line coach. You know what I mean? And so, you know, which is the job he'd already had before. So I I think that if I look at it, Ryan, I think it's a situation where to some it'll be that way, but to others it's going to look like a positive. Like, hey, if I go to Notre Dame, I mean, that guy didn't even put up very good numbers. If I go to Notre Dame and rip it up, imagine the opportunities that could come my way. Exactly. So I think that's going to be more of the perception in the football world than anything i think this perception that that zach's talking about is is real but i think that exists more in the fan media talking head space where in the profession where it matters i think it's more it's more that way in my opinion yeah no i I think we see it the same way i I would also say i don't think it's a shame to just admit to yourselves right now that alabama's where you want to get to right to like i i think that that's understood right like i understand why the perception's out there and zach i i completely get it because i'd be lying if my mind had never gone there right i mean like that's a common under the common thought to have i just think that to brian's point i think that it's more about what opinion really matters is what you need to be concerning yourself with and i just i i just don't think that 
where it matters most is going to matter as much ultimately. Like I don't care if ESPN talks about it as like, Oh, Alabama is the cycle to get to where you want to be. Like, okay, cool. That's fine. But like, does that actually affect me in any way? Does it affect Notre Dame in any way? I, I just don't think it really does. Let's go to the next question. Good stuff here. Uh, yep. Strange things, lover edits. Oh, stranger things, lover edits. Okay. Uh, and then he's got a picture of Wednesday on his thing. So it's not even a stranger things avatar. So I'm very confused right now. Uh, but the question is, could interview, could the timers interview be a ploy to get more money and control out of Notre Dame? It is not. Yeah. I, I can, the one thing that I can say for certain right now is that this is not a money ploy by Tommy Reese or his people. Now, if Tommy Reese decides to stay, will there probably be a pay raise that comes with it? Yeah, probably. That's just kind of how these things work. You have to kind of have that safe face type of moment, and that's usually what that does. But there's no offer Notre Dame can come back with to make Tom Reese walk away from Bama if that's what he wants to do. Sure. Meaning it's not about money. Right or wrong, whatever the case may be, it's not about money with Tommy Reese. So for me, um, that's just – not, and he has about as much control as any offensive coordinator can have. So it's not about control either. So this is about – a career track and Tom Reese having goals in his mind for what he wants to do with his career and him viewing Alabama as an opportunity to do that. That's what it boils down to, which is, you know, agree or disagree, whatever. I think that's what a lot of coaches do. Yep. Um, I, I personally, that's just not how I'm wired. You know, it's like, I've put all this work into recruiting these kids. I want to see this thing through at least to a degree to where I'm leaving them in a little better position than I am necessarily right now but that everybody's different. Right. And it doesn't make him right or wrong or me right or wrong. It's just different. I, I, I just think I'd have a hard time doing what Tommy's doing right now, especially if I'm someone who played in Notre Dame, but he has a, he has a career path in mind. And I think he views that this is something that's going to help him with that. And based on, as we mentioned, what's happened with the last several coordinators at Alabama, you can understand why he would think that. Cause that's just been the path. I, I, I like that you, brought up Keon Keeley yesterday to that conversation too, Brian, because like that is the same situation, right? It's like Keon, if you want to get to this spot, we have the track, we have the proven track record to make that happen. Right. So again, right or wrong, it's part of the, it's part of the equation. And you know, if, if Tommy Reese's ultimate goal is to be an offensive coordinator on the NFL level or to be a heck, like, I don't know what his ultimate goal is. I mean, we know that he definitely has an affinity for NFL football, then I can't blame him for that. Maybe I don't agree with it, but like that's that's what his, that's where his mind is. So I, I'll just respect what where his mind is on that in that regard. All right. Next question we have here is from. Let's go down to Anthony Solomon. Can you get too big of a playbook to where your players become overwhelmed? Absolutely. Yes. And we've yes. seen that happen in Notre Dame a little bit. And it's not so much the playbook's size; it's what you're putting in right now. A playbook in college is going to be big because there's a ton of stuff on there, like procedural stuff, like, you know, how to do practice, how to line up, you know, things that become commonplace. Like you're going to have stuff explaining coverages and stuff explaining gaps and all that kind of stuff where you're really teaching them the game. And that's going to take up a lot of space that, and that doesn't necessarily evolve a ton uh, from a basic structure standpoint. Here's our motions. Here's our terminology for formations and all that. And then there's going to be a lot of plays. I mean, you need a lot of plays to draw from. I think the issue with the size of a playbook is not that your playbook is big. It's what are you carrying into each game? That's the big thing. 
and because every team is going to be a little bit different and, and you want to make sure that you're saying, okay, do we have enough volume to where we have stuff we can pull from to go beat this team because this look may work because it's easy to put in a couple plays a week and and wrinkles here for each team. You're not going to run the same five plays every single week. And, and so you need some size from that standpoint, but when you're trying to carry 90% of it into a game, that's a problem at the college level. If you're maybe 70, I mean, I don't know what that drop, you know, that, that line is Ryan, but you, you, as a coach, you have to be really cognizant of what's the, what's the, the breaking point for these guys mentally to where the, we're not getting as much return from them on the investment of time and playbook size. You know what I mean? And, and when you get to that point, you need to back off of it. And unfortunately we've had some Notre Dame coaches who were unwilling to do that in recent years. And I think that's something that hurt Al Golden a little bit. Now next year, the players may be better because they'll have more knowledge of it and they'll maybe play better, but then it's yeah. the cycle of this, right? And that's the thing that I think if you're not cognizant of it, that's something that can hurt you in my opinion. Yeah. And I, I do think that there's been some coaches, not Notre Dame related that, you overload. I, we talked about Jim Knowles before, right, Brian? Where it's like overload early, and then you start to get it year two, year three. Like it starts to really mesh, right? I think that the also the balance is after that overload. If that's your style, you can't continue to overload the next year, right? Like you have to kind of stick to what your principles are and what that first year understanding is, right? Before you start kind of overloading again. So. I just, I just think sometimes people overcomplicate the game a little bit, man. Like I'm all for wrinkles. I'm all for creativity, but at the end of the day, you got to do things that your players can be successful for. And if you start over overthinking it and putting too much stuff in, that's when players start playing slow, right? Why do people think that Maris Loifau is slow? Because didn't know what he was doing, right? Like that's, that's kind of the double-edged sword you're working with. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.